Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Singing Bad Geek! Welcome back, listeners and even viewers to the Arcade Attack podcast. We've got another amazing guest on today's show. We've got a true ocean legend he's also worked at sega as well i believe and he's worked you know all around the world mike lamb so thank you so much for your time today sir well thank you for the interest uh, adrian it's been uh, really good uh, listening to a couple of your other podcasts and uh, i'm very happy to do this well that's that's how we first kind of connected because um i posted uh, my interview with with ed rotberg uh, the the creator of battle zone you've kindly said you know you retweeted and you kindly commented how good the interview was i'm not trying to give myself a pat on the back but from an industry legend like yourself that meant a lot to me so before we get talking about your career would you be happy to talk about um you know you obviously love battle zone so would you happy to sort of discuss that a little bit mike yeah i was i was always fascinated about how they did that in in the 8-bit era looking went back when we were working on sort of 8-bit microprocessors and and yeah certainly when the 16-bit computers came in you could see how that sort of thing was possible you know sort of doing battle zone was possible but looking back at it when you're working on 8-bit you were just trying to figure out how how the hell did they get something like that to work you know in in uh, that day and age so yeah it was a it's a fantastic accomplishment battle zone technically i'm sure a lot of people admired it and uh, you know sort of inspired a lot of people Oh, thank you. No, I really appreciate it. Ed was a, 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 real, a real gentleman to talk to, a real honour. And um, no, I'm yes, really Kevin Cross is a nice guy too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did quite humble, didn't he, actually? And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm honestly, Mike, I can't wait to talk to you as well today because some, some of the games you've worked on, I, I played as a kid, um, I've got huge memories of, actually. There's a couple I haven't played, but I've done a bit of digging around and some interesting stories. Oh, like for sure, yeah. Um, before we talk about sort of specific games, are you happy to sort of talk about how you first got in the industry? What, because I believe... Correct me if I'm wrong, it was like kind of spectrum days and we sort of doing things in your bedroom. I'd love to hear kind of how you got your sort of, you know, your big break, really. Well, I was very lucky because uh, there was a kid in the year below me at school. He actually wrote, uh, uh, I don't know if you sort of played these games, he wrote them for Arctic. He wrote uh, Invaders and Galaxians uh, oh. and Robert Ray. So, sorry, I knew Robert, Robert, William Ray was the guy who wrote them. Uh, it's Robert's, it was his brother who I knew. But anyway, I knew, knew of this kid, and he, he'd written these games for Arctic, and they came out at Christmas time, you know, right after the Spectrum came out. And he, he, he did very well out of them. He made tens of thousands of pounds out of them, which, you know, was quite a lot of money back then, you know, sort of, because we're talking a while ago. And, uh, yeah, so that's what kind of inspired me, because I was always, you know, playing on the computer at the, uh, at the, uh, at the uh, school office and everything, and we didn't really have proper setups with all the, you know, so we just had one computer we had to share, and it's four or five of us or something. But, yeah, I was always interested in computers. That's what kind of gave me the spur to sort of, like, get out and buy a Spectrum and, uh, and get programming myself. Good on you. And actually, the, the ZX Spectrum Plus was the first computer I ever had as a kid, and soon moved on right. to the Amiga. But I have brilliant memories of the Spectrum. Um, right. Uh, what was the first game you worked on uh, for the Spectrum? Do you remember? Well, the first thing I did was um, I, we had, I think it coincided with my first year at college, right? My first term there, I think, that they had a different arcade game came in into the college bar every sort of like, uh, you know, every term or something. And the first game they had was pool. You remember the pool game with the six balls or whatever, and you just had to shoot them and aim the, you know. <laughs> and it was basically just a rip off of that game or or. or an adaptation or whatever and i wrote that on the spectrum and it, you know it did um i sent it around to a few people and see see if anybody was interested in publishing it 
And yeah, brilliant. And actually, I think that moved on to Steve Davis snooker. Is that right? That that's that... right. Well, we we that did sell fairly well for them, and they did a uh, did quite well out of it. And the publisher were quite happy with it, so they wanted to do a, a follow up. And it was quite far sighted on in. Um, in ter- you know, in terms of the industry, in terms of where it was back then, they realised that having a license on it might help it sell a lot better. So uh, they signed up Steve Davis. Yeah, that's great. And obviously, you know, you're right. This was early days in the computer game industry. Getting a big name, kind of celebrity, a big he was massive back then. Was let's, let's be honest, right. was uh, was was pretty cool. Was um, I mean, I've got to ask. Paul, I, I assume, was quite simple. The rules of Paul were quite simple, but snooker. Um, yeah, a bit more difficult to program. Was it? Was it a challenge to get the kind of the rules and the difficult? Is it, was there a big challenge really compared to pool and snooker? Um, the, the bigger challenge was having more balls on the table at the mm. same time, and that was you know you got so like a, or ten or fifteen reds, right? Whereas the pool game I did only had six balls at once, you know. Mm. So we had to shrink the balls down a bit, and everything had to run a bit tighter because you know you had to run run a bit faster, I guess. Um, but yeah, that was a major problem. The actual rules themselves are, you know, they weren't, I mean, it's still like red ball, color ball, That's red ball, you know. color. It's not that, you know, it's. <laughs> Just uh, tough it for bit... me then. <laughs> <laughs> was, um, I've got to ask actually, did you ever get a chance to meet Steve Davis? In yeah, sure. When we, uh, when we launched the game, I think we met uh, him and, uh, Barry Hearn. Uh, nice. so yeah, they were sort of, they came down and it was a big, uh, Earl's Court computer show or something like that. Yeah. I think we went down for that and, uh, we met him all there. Was he a nice person to chat to? He, he was quite good because he was quite interested in computer games himself at the time. I mean, I think at the time, it, it, whenever he was uh, staying at a, at a hotel for a, a tournament or whatever, he, he always insisted on having a Space Invaders or Galaxia or some, some sort of arcade machine there. Oh, nice. So he's quite genuinely interested in sort of like what we were doing and sort of like that. So, yeah, it was a bit more than the usual, you know, sort of like slap your name on, 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 a, on a cartridge and, you know, you know, collect a million quid or whatever they, they, they usually do, but... But yeah, he was quite good. Yeah, good stuff. And he's got—he's been dubbed being a bit boring. Actually, it's a bit harsh, really, because I think he's quite an interesting person. We get to you see interviews, but, right. but I don't suppose he came across boring to you, did he? I, you know, was it quite an honour to meet him? I suppose, or no? I mean, he was—I think he was just getting a lot of attention, and he was fairly normal, you know. Yeah. So, like, so yeah. I mean, he, you know, everyone expects him to be outlandish, or you know, to to I don't know, sort of like. Uh, to be snorting cocaine or drinking, you know, sort of gallons <laughs> yeah, yeah. of beer every night or something. No, he was fairly, you know, average and, and had his head screwed on it and, in terms of that. But I wouldn't say it was particularly boring. No, I mean, it was, yeah, you good. know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, a slightly personal question. I don't, don't have to answer this, but I, I read somewhere on the internet that, uh, you, um, that Steve Davis actually made more money from your game than, than you did. Is that fair for that particular game? That- I think that's true. I think I was getting something like 40p a a cassette or something and i think steve davis ended up with a quid and uh they they uh, cds the publishers had to work very hard on me because i, I was sort of thinking well wh- why does he get more than i'm getting or something like that i was you know being quite and and um they said well look we're gonna sell three times or four times as many so what do you want do you want so like you know uh you can either take less of you know, so it's going to work out better for you. And, you know, they, they were absolutely right. I think they told me so it's going to sell twice as many, but uh, I think it sold about three or four times as many wow. as the pool. So it was, you know, no complaints, I guess. How how old were you back then with this game? Was it, You must have been pretty young then, I think. I was just going to – so I was probably about 17. Wow. I turned 18, I think, when it, uh, it was just coming out, I think, yeah. When you were going around college and stuff, did people know that you made video games? Or were you, was it quite like a – big thing or is it you kept it quite quiet I like to know kind of as an 18 year old that I don't think I could have kind of like kept that right. quiet kind of thing 
I don't know what they do these days. Um, it, it wasn't that unusual. I didn't feel like I was an oddball. I mean, people knew I wrote the Steve Davis snooker. I think we had a, you know, a, 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 when I think they had the final, that final when the, um, he, he lost on by missing the black at the last one, I think 1981 or right. 82. It was when the, uh, the SAS uh, were, broke into the embassy. They stormed the embassy at the same time. So it was quite a big... Anyway, I remember I had a whole crowd of people. So like in my room, we were all watching it. And everybody knew I was with Steve Davis or uh, back, you know, he was he was on my game. So yeah, it wasn't like that unusual or anything, no. Oh, bless you. Um, I've got to ask, because obviously you worked in a few games and you had some early success, very young age, uh, but you got the opportunity to work at Ocean Software, huge, huge, you know, iconic company i mean how did that come about are you happy to fill in the kind of gaps between steve davis and getting well to... yeah after steve davis uh, i was working with uh, cds and they they quite reasonably thought well we could move on we could do a golf game with uh sevi balesteros who was a big uh, spanish you know golf player at the time and to be honest i think i kind of like i disappointed them that i wanted to make it all like a, a complete 3d simulation almost of golf and i think what they wanted was something you know fairly simple arcade type feel that, that like you know you could just and uh yeah so it didn't really go so well and they eventually saw after about th- three or four months i think that we decided it wasn't going well so um and and i was looking around for work i guess and i was looking at ocean at the time ocean were doing they had a reputation for getting fantastic licenses mm. and i think they'd realized that the games weren't working out so well for them or some of the games have been a bit disappointing in terms of the, the quality of them so they were looking to hire people and i thought that would be a good fit for me because you know I, um i was quite a good i thought i was a good programmer and i could do well but and i didn't want to sort of like work in obscurity work work uh, you know spend a year working on something and then it didn't come out and didn't get the support or success that you know i felt it deserved and i, I felt like if you could do a good job at ocean you you wouldn't really be lacking in success right or it would be the game would do well because they would promote it they would market it they did it all they did all that great it was just that the games weren't that good for them at the time yeah, did did you move? Did you move to work in the offices? Were you still working from home, or no? No, I moved to work in the offices, uh, and that was a good thing for me too. I think because I was a bit lonely, just sort of working just up <laughs> on my home, just sort of like and it, and it was no, it was quite a good feeling, just sort of meeting a lot of programmers, and we did uh, not only sort of like you know socially, which was great as well, but it was also good talking to them, and we you know it was a good cross pollination of ideas going on there. Good stuff, and actually, like you said, Ocean were known for their sort of movie licenses, and I think right. it's fair. I think it's fair to say that some, not just Ocean, I'm not trying to go Ocean, but some of the movie kind of adaptations of games wasn't brilliant. There wasn't, there were some, um, you know, diamonds in the rough. Let's be honest, but I mean, did you, out of all the licenses you worked on, and I, I like to say my the games you worked on, I think have been very successful. You know, with, like you know, we'll get to one later, but. Um, which of all the licenses you got your, your, your hands on at Ocean, what were you most proud of? What sort of? Um... Um, I think probably Robocop. You know, Robocop yeah. worked out well, and it was quite satisfying for us as well because I think the big game that's that Christmas that they had penciled in was going to be Operation Wolf. That they oh. thought that was going to be the number one and everything, and uh, and Robocop. It was a bit of a sleeper as well because. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. They, they they signed up the license. They didn't really expect that much from the movie or whatever, but um, it, it ended up being number one at the Christmas for when we released it. So we were all very pleased that we beat Operation Wolf, and you know, I guess the people at Ocean were happy too. So, yes, yeah, and Operation Wolf is a good game. I have to say, I used yeah, to play it wasn't. You know, it's fantastic. You know, sort of like just just fun. But uh, I, I guess honestly, I think the the movie ended up being a lot bigger on video than it was on. Uh, when it came out in the theaters, in the movie theaters at the time, you know, it was, um, 
it, it came out in, in for Christmas at the same time as the game did. So there's a lot of support yeah. there between the video and, and the, the video game, I guess. I've, I've got a few more questions about Robocop in, in a minute, but I want to try and go, if you don't mind, am I kind of the order? If, if, okay, if, fair, sure, um, yeah, yeah. Before you, yeah, did you get to meet any famous actors while you're working on on sort of films, this filming sort of games or anything like that, or did you visit any uh, film sets or anything? Not particularly. We did get down to uh, to London to Pinewood, I think, where they were shooting Batman, mm. uh, Batman the movie. But uh, they did it on a day. We were just going down for sort of like set reference mainly, and to sort of get stills and sort of like it's mainly for the artists. I think got the, the most out of it that, compared to the. Uh, so yeah, we we did that, but they did it on a day when they weren't shooting, so we didn't oh. meet anybody famous there. So like, so that was about you know. Um, so no, I don't think we met. We you know we had one or two people come into to Ocean over the years. I guess uh, Keith Chegwin came in and did oh, two nice. or three days there. He was sort of filming. So yeah, it was a you know, like, it wasn't it wasn't like it. That was a, a rarity. It wasn't like every day a celebrity or whatever. So did you get to at least see the films uh, beforehand? Like that like, sort of right? Yeah, definitely. Um, we had to go to uh, to New York to watch Batman because they oh, wouldn't. Right. It, it, that was the days when you know it came out in America, so like three months before it came out in England. I guess they can't do that these days because it's all all spoilers and everything. But but yeah, we got flown to New York to go see it. Uh, you know, so, so that was a that's a bit fun. of a perk. Yeah, um, I think I've got Top Gun, uh, one of the games you worked on. Um, right. What, what Top Gun port did you work on? What because there's a lot of Top Gun games. So I don't want to get it wrong, Mike. Can you happy just fill us in? Yeah, I worked on the Spectrum and the Amstrad versions. And to be honest, they weren't that good. We were trying to do a vector graphics game similar to sort of like um, uh, what Battlezone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were kind of getting making some sort of progress with it. But um, I, I think what Ocean didn't realize at the time was that sometimes, you know, when you've got these licenses, you, need, you can't sort of like say, well, we've got three months to do a game. Or, or four months to do a game. I think. I think the the deal was I was hired in September and they wanted the game for Christmas, so they needed it for you know the end of November. And um, I, I guess I had a death in my family at the time as well, oh, so that, that took that. me out for a couple of weeks. And so the games were, you know, they were pretty disappointed with them, or, or not. Huh? Well, I don't say disappointed. They'd been doing a lot of disappointing games, but it was another disappointing license from uh, from Ocean that we, you know. So it's not one I'm particularly proud of, I guess. Are you a fan of the film though itself, and are you looking forward to the new? Yeah, Tom yeah, film? it's a it's a good laugh. Yeah, you know, it's um, what can you say? I mean, I, I thought Tom was good in uh, Risky Business, so he, that yeah. was the film after Risky Business, and we all liked that one. So yeah, I thought it was all right, you know. And it's come back. Could you would you make a new game for the new movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I don't know that I'm quite in a box office enough for that, right? So I, I don't know. Um, after so I think you worked on Renegade, um, if, if that's right, and that's, that's kind right. of like a Double Dragon s game, isn't it? I think it was actually pr- prior to Double Dragon in the arcades. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, right. What what was your role on Renegade, and what ports did you work on? And I, I like to ask, did what, you... Renegade? I think it was a Taito. Uh, it's a coin op. Taito uh, yeah. made the original, right? And um, we we signed a license, or Ocean signed a license to develop that. So the first Renegade was just pretty much a copy of that. Uh, then I think what they Taicho went on and did Double Dragons, mm-hmm. right? And we didn't get the license for that, but somehow we, we did have the rights to do a, a Renegade Two. So we put all the two-player stuff in Double Dragons, except we put it into our, you know, the Renegade game, I guess. So oh, yeah, no, because I mean, were you a fan? Were you actually when you were sort of working on like a port of an arcade game? I, I assume you played the arcade game yourself quite a lot. Or? Well, we used to, yeah, usually get a, a, the board, an arcade uh-huh. board or something like that, and they had a sort of like a special room where we could go and play, sort of like and 
and you know, sort of like, yeah. They ended up having to put a lock on the the individual games so people didn't spend all morning playing them or whatever. But yeah, so <laughs> what what was the office like? I used to was it was there like lots of games? I, I know there's work to be done. Was it quite a nice atmosphere though? Was it like a how would you? Explain yeah, it was it? pretty good because I mean. Uh, I think, as I say, um, Gary, well, well, I think they realized, uh, you know, that they needed to hire sort of programmers and do sort of a lot of these jobs in-house rather than farming them out of house. And so they hired a lot of people all at the same time. And so it's like, you know, there's a whole bunch of us have coming together, sort of like, uh, you know, sort of 20, 21 years old or sort of, you know, early yeah. teens or late teens or whatever. So we're all sort of like, you know, meeting up together in Manchester. So we had a good group, you know, going on there. So it was a good, uh, good crack, yeah. And I have to say, I'm, I'm Robocop. What a great game that was! And I have to say, what a great film as well. You know, let, oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. I, I, one of my favorite films of all time. And I, the game didn't disappoint. I remember playing it on the Spectrum uh, and the Amiga as well. So, can, can you remind? Sorry, Mike. Can you remind, what versions of Robocop did you work on again? If you don't mind, I worked on the uh, Spectrum and the Amstrad versions. Brilliant. Are they, I mean, great ports. Um, how hard was it? To, I mean, you said earlier you didn't. Ocean weren't expecting that to be a particularly successful title, but can you remember your sort of developing that game? How easy was it to create that? And get, get um, that? I, th- I think what it, what had done, they Ocean signed the rights to sort of like all the video games of, of uh, for Robocop, so they had everything. There wasn't a division, for, so I think they sublicensed the uh, the game to Data East, so we were able to take a, a bunch of ideas from the arcade game that they developed, right. And also add some stuff in of our own that we've been working on separately. And uh, so, you know, it there was a lot to do in sort of like, I don't know, it was only four or five months or something like that. So there was a lot to do, but it was it was quite good because I think we did, um, we managed to sort of like fit the elements to the fi- of the film to the game, you know. So like and sometimes we were able to do that. Sometimes, I mean, like Top Gun, okay, we, we were having sort of like, it was about, yeah, jet fighters fighting each other. But beyond that, there wasn't really anything that you could take from the movie, right? Mm, but yeah. with the uh, Robocop, you could almost tell the story with just different elements of the game that, you know, we could put, um, we, we had the, the ID masking little sub-game thing in there that just tied it together a little bit. Uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was quite nice that um, everything that we did as well on that game more or less worked. And sometimes they don't work and you just have to leave it in anyway because, you know, because it's a license and it had to go out or whatever. But uh, I think more or less for sort of like a Robocop, everything more or less worked first time. So it, it, yeah, it was nice the way it worked. It's, I, I still play. It's so it's a hard game, but I remember vividly watching my brother complete. It was like destroying Ed 209 at the end. It's <laughs> a tough game though, isn't it? It was a tough game. Yeah. 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 Good but um, I like I said, loved loved it, loved it, loved it. Actually, Robocop. Did you work on any any follow up Robocop games at all? Was it just that particular one? No, it was just that one. I think yeah, because I think by then they had Batman or something. So uh, yeah, I was yeah. working on Batman again. Yeah, I was going to ask about Batman. I mean, let's be honest, Robocop, Batman. These are two huge. You know, I know Robocop wasn't huge at the time when it came. You know, early right. days. It's massive. And how, how were you always a fan of Batman? How did that opportunity come about? I was always a fan of Batman. I mean, I, I remember forcing my grandma to buy me a Batman comic and she was complaining how much money it was. It was five, <laughs> five bob or something like that. It was just five shillings. It was 25 pence or something like that. But I was, oh, I remember reading this comic over and over again because I couldn't afford, she couldn't afford to buy any more for me. She was telling me so. But yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was dead, dead into Batman. Yeah. What, what version of Batman did you work on? Cause again, there's, there's quite a few. Isn't it was there? Uh, Batman, the movie that, that came out for the, uh, you know, for the, you know, um, so yeah, we, we came out at the same time as uh, the movie came out. And you, did you work on the Spectrum one again? Is that right? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I remember sort of like walking into the record store, HMV, 
And they had literally taken up one whole wall just for the Prince album yeah. that was coming wow. out with Batman the movie, you know. So that was the, the, the ba- uh, Prince's album came out at the same time as Batman. And we just realized then that this thing was going to be just huge. I mean, it was, you know, that, that everything was going to go, people were going to go mental over it. So again, it did well, didn't it? Was that, can I ask yeah. you, at this time, was Batman your biggest seller then, uh, if your career? I don't know. Well? They didn't really tell us the sales figures at Ocean. So I think it probably was because, I mean, I think even if it hadn't been me, even if it, you know, we just put a, a blank tape out there, we'd probably have sold us now. So, yeah, anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, another another brilliant game, actually. Yeah. Um, brilliant, brilliant game. Um, I mean, I've got to ask actually about it's a bit of a sad story, but I'm David Ward's, uh, the co founder of, uh, oh, right, yeah. He, he, sad, he sadly passed away quite recently. Um, did you, did you, do you have any sort of, reflections of working with him or, or do you have any memories of him or is there anything you'd like to say maybe? i really didn't get to meet him personally all that often you know so like it was uh basically we went through gary we were working with gary and lorraine and i guess they would have discussions with the people upstairs i guess so we didn't really get to meet him personally but um you know the company that he put together i guess we're all you know working for him and uh you know i think he um and i, I think I, I said earlier that uh the, the thing that david realized you know before anybody else was how important licenses were going to be and he managed to sign up all these, get all these licenses for Ocean, and and that was why Ocean was successful because he had that real that inspiration or whatever, and uh, and you know he did that before everybody else. Oh, bless you! No, again, you know, rest in peace. Obviously, um, yeah. Was there? Is there any other sort of games you're proud of working at Ocean? I know we got we can't talk about every game you worked on, say, Mike. Obviously, but before we sort of talk about uh, you moving to the US, was there any other sort of games you worked on you're very proud of at your time of there? Um, yeah, I guess Wet Le Mans. I worked on Wet Le Mans, which was a racing game. And what I did at the time was uh, we, we went and looked at all the other racing games on the spectrum, came up with a, a track drawing routine. Uh, and I, I honestly felt I was very, very happy with the track drawing routine that I came up with because, um, you know, it was, it was running twice as fast as you know, anything else. And it had much more detail on it as well. So uh, I was quite pleased that this was going to be, you know, quite a, quite a good game. But then they wanted me to work on Batman. Uh, which, you know, so I had to give that up and give that over to somebody else who did a great job of it, by the way, and finished up and great. But it would have been nice to finish that off. I guess that's about the only thing uh, Um, that I didn't do. But but I I guess if you've got the choice, you either work on that or Batman. I mean, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, is it? Uh, It's pretty cool. (laughs) But Batman is pretty cool. Um, Can I ask him, why did you choose to leave Ocean and actually, I think you moved to the US soon after. Is that right? Right, yeah, yeah. Well, Ocean felt like a bit of a dead end in, in terms of professionally. Like, I've been there about five years, and I didn't really see where I'd be doing anything different if I'd uh, stayed another five years, which, I, I don't know, maybe it was, yeah. And plus, I, I always wanted to see the States. I always wanted to sort of, like, you know, move, uh, live out there and, and uh, you know, get some sun, I guess, compared to Manchester, right? <laughs> no, fair enough, fair enough. And what, what part of the U.S. did you move to? Did you have a job lined up, or do you almost take a risk? Yeah, that's right, yeah. We had a job lined up, uh, the guy called Bob Jacobs, working at Malibu Interactive, He called uh, they would call them themselves, yeah. Ah, good stuff. And how... So, yeah, sorry, carry on, Mike. My, my apologies. It was supposed to be near Malibu, but it was actually about like you know half an hour's drive away. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still not bad, then. Um, yeah. But how, how does it... Are you still living in the US now then or are you in the UK? No, I'm living in Jamaica now. Jamaica, wow. How cool yeah, is yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I met my wife and you know, we sort of like got married and here I am. Oh, bless you. Well, we'll, maybe we'll come to that maybe at the end when we talk about leaving the, the industry if that's all right. But Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, 
how would you compare their work in the UK compared to the US gaming? Were they very similar? Or was it different kind of cultures? I like to, how would you sort of summarize the two kind of different worlds? I think it's very different in terms of the way that the company was set up. I mean, at Ocean, you were working for the publisher, right? And, and when we were working for Malibu Interactive, uh, we weren't publishing games. We were developing for, you know, the, the, the publishers and Bob would, you know, work from that way. But I think the thing that Bob was quite open about was uh, that we never heard about sales figures at Ocean. They didn't want anybody knowing how, who sold. We, we'd hear bits of gossip from the warehouse or something yeah. like that. But he never, like, you know, got a royalty statement or anything like that. So, um, but no, working for Bob was he, he did actually sort of pay people royalties. So we knew exactly, you know, how much he was getting and, and, and he'd give us a sort of portion of that. So, uh, yeah, it was quite different, I guess. Yeah, and we were working for console manufacturers, I guess, uh, as opposed to sort of like, you know, uh, doing 8-bit games. We were yeah. firmly on console by that stage. I mean, some of Ocean, we'd started doing that as well. But, um, yeah, so, so it was quite different in both those respects. And, and some of those games, I think I've got here, like um, Evander Holyfield's Real Deal Boxing, Riddick by right. Boxing, great, Greatest Heavyweights. I think they're all Mega Drive, Sega Mega Drive games, correct me if I'm wrong. And, um, uh, I think, yeah, the... the uh, Really, Bow, I think, was a Super NES, but it was oh, the same okay, code base, yeah. Um, I mean, you obviously made these... How, how did the contract work with your company that you're working with and Sega? Was it, were you working really closely with them, and, for example? Or? Um, Bob was, a, you know, was a, running our company. He was about the greatest salesman I've ever met. You know, he was, he was definitely Steve Jobs-level type nice. salesman that you could really... You know, you'd warm to the guy and you'd, you'd want to work with him. And, yeah, he was very good at that. And so he got a lot of contract, very good contracts. Uh, and I get this... The boxing one was with uh, Sega. And, say, you know, when you're working on, on consoles, working for the, for the actual the developer of the, the console... It's a lot better than just being working for some, you know, some third-party publisher. So, you know, Bob had got a lot of very good deals, I guess, and, and uh, he got a lot of big titles there. And, and uh, after that, he more or less left it to just us to, you know, work with the people at the publishers and, you know, he'd step in if there was a problem, I guess, but there weren't too many. Oh, good on you. Not, and back to the, these boxing titles, are you a big fan of boxing yourself? And what was it like well, working wasn't, on I wasn't when I started, but, um, you know, you get into it, you have to do a bit of research. There is, you know, there's a lot of stories to be told there you know, in boxing and everything like that. So, yeah, you do follow it and you, you do, uh, you know, carry on with it a bit. So, so yeah, I, I, was, I, I wasn't a fan when I started, but I was when I finished. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Fair. Yeah. Um, did you get to meet any famous boxers when, when you were working on the, your boxing titles at all? Um, I, I missed uh, Evander Holyfield by about like half an hour at the, super, uh, the, the CES right. one one year. But <laughs> and do you have a favourite? I mean, I think on, on your kind of Moby Games list, you got you did work on quite a few titles in that genre. Did, have you got a particular favourite out out of those? Well, I think Evander Holyfield was the best because you know it was my first time in America and everything. It was a good time there. Yeah. First time working on a sixteen bit console, you know, the, the Sega Mega Drive. And yeah, I, th- I think that's probably about my favorite. The others felt like I was I'd been successful at it, and you know, thought they did okay. Let's exploit that, which was a uh, yeah, it's fine. That's a good idea too. But I, I think the one I actually enjoyed most was uh, Evander Holyfield, the first one. Ah, good on you, good on you. And um, again, w- moving on, you actually you worked on a few N sixty four titles. I think I've got here what Excite Byte sixty four, which was a you know big 
big title actually you know and right. it was, it's, it's fair to say it's a bit of a reimagining of the nes classic i mean excited by it was it's, it's an amazing game on the nes i'm sure you agree but how did that come about and is it is it true that Nintendo only gave that name, uh, Excited by 64, quite late in the development? I'd love to hear the kind of story behind that game. Um, well, yeah, I think it's, um, there's a lot of politics between Nintendo of America and Nintendo uh, of Japan, mm. right? So Nintendo of Japan are quite protective of their, you know, their properties and, you know, there's a, they make you jump through a lot of hoops before they'll sort of like, you know, put a, put a, uh, excite bike license on it but i've I got to say most of that work was done by henry our, our uh, producer at henry sturchy was a producer at nintendo of america and he could probably tell you more about what was involved in me but you know i realized it was going on in the background as far as we were concerned that yeah it, it, we had to get through this and, and take the feedback and everything so yeah and you did you enjoy working on that particular game i mean it's uh yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, because I mean, what we were trying to do, I mean, my my goal for it was, I think I'd been playing an awful lot of F Zero. You know, the, do you remember the F Zero? And yeah, and, yeah. and I, I really loved the, the physics based uh, uh, reality of that game. It, 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 it did feel like there was a good physics engine there. Mm-hmm. And so what we were trying to do with Excite Bike was put a, a physics engine in there as well. It was somewhat realistic and and also sort of type of, also worked out being kind of fun to play. So yeah, I enjoyed doing a lot of it. That it was a lot of um, you know um, learning there for me, and yeah, no, and, uh, no. Oh, thank you, Martin. I appreciate it. Um, I've also got here. You you, you kindly said uh, in, in your message to me that you also worked in uh, Slam and Jam for the 3DO, and also uh, Kobe Bryant as well. So a few right, pass- yeah, your passport titles there again. I, I don't assume you were a fan of oh, again. Living in the UK at the time, you know, back in the, were you a fan of basketball? Was that like a whole new? Sort well, of I'd, thing I'd moved or? out to the states, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, as you know, looking at that, and what we were doing is, um, yeah, it was about Malibu Interactive was kind of coming apart. A lot of people were sort of like going off and doing their own thing. Right, right. Um, and one of the things that yeah had a big influence on me was that we were actually playing uh, soccer. I call it soccer because that's what the Americans call it. We we're playing football just on a night, sort of on Wednesday evening sort of thing. And we got quite a few people coming to join, join in the game. One of the guys that was uh, uh, joined us, started playing with us, was Jim Simmons. And he'd written uh, John Madden's football for the NFL, for wow. EA. And he, that was his job. He was just working on versions of John Madden every year for the Genesis, right? And uh, he made an absolute fortune out of it, as you can imagine. So there, there were huge games, and he, yeah. you know, he, wasn't, he was getting all the royalty for him rather than sort of like working for someone and them getting a cut. So he'd done very well out of it. He made, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say he was making a million dollars a year off of it. It's probably underestimates what he was doing. Wow. <laughs> but so it, it kind of gave me the spirit to think, oh, we were doing okay, right? But um, I was just thinking, well, Chris, we'll just do a couple of years of that and I'll, I'll be retired and on a beach. So um, <laughs> there's me and a couple of the other guys from, from, left, from uh, Malibu got together and we formed our own company. And we were looking around for contracts and everything. And uh, I, I think I hadn't really appreciated um uh, yeah, you know, I'd been working for Bob, who was, as I said, was an excellent salesman, and I hadn't really appreciated everything that he did to sort of get the contracts he did. I thought we'd just sort of like, you know, uh, say, "Hey, here we are, sort of like, you know, give us a contract and pay us a million dollars a year, and we'll just do that for a couple of years, and 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 everyone, everyone will be we'll all be retired." But no, it took a lot more work than that. We ended up uh, working for for Crystal Dynamics for the uh, uh, rather than being a you know sort of first line. Uh, console developer console it is a new console but yeah it was exciting because we were able to do things in 3d that we wouldn't have been able to do you know on on a 16-bit console and um 
but they didn't get the. They ended up not getting the NBA license, which was quite a big deal as well. Um, that we missed out on that. But it was a good calling card because everybody else, uh, like in the industry, saw the game. I think. I think more people saw, you know, in the industry saw it, and it was more influential that way rather than sort of like yeah, a lot of people yeah. buying it. So it, it did quite well for us. It did sort of like put a. Um, I don't know, bit of, bit of a feather in our cap rather than putting money in our wallet sort of thing, I think. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we, we ended up sort of like, so we ended up uh, hooking up with Bob again and to cut a long story short, he became our agent and mm. so he was doing the selling and we were doing the developing and it, we, he ended up with a deal with uh, Nintendo to do, um, do a basketball game for them and um, they signed up Kobe Bryant for it and so yeah, it steamrolled from there. I mean, it's pretty cool. You tried to get the NBA license. Can you imagine if you still well, own that now? <laughs> yeah, well, it's very, very uh, political, you know. So in terms of how many licenses they were giving, and, and they weren't really giving it to sort yeah, to yeah, Crystal yeah. Dynamics because you know they weren't really a big publisher at the time or big enough for them. So yeah, it was sort of like you know one, one of those things, you know. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, you've you've had some huge success, and I, I again, you just sort of reading a little message you gave me here. I think the, is it the ten eighty sequel? Is that a snowboarding game? Is that right? Did you say right? Uh, we, we we worked on that, and uh, we worked on the the Kobe Bryant game, yeah. uh, and then they they actually bought a stake in us, and so we were exclusively working for Nintendo for sort of like two or three years. Wow, well, that's pretty. Cool. And so we did it, and they when they bought the stake, they gave us two games. They gave us the Kobe Bryant courtside sequel which we i didn't work on and they also did excite bike or the game that became excite bike anyway um and uh so after we finished excite bike we were talking about what to do next and they had they wanted a 1080 sequel um and it didn't really work out so well you know they, they had oh, i don't know i mean they, they had all sorts of expectations that that they wanted this to be completely different from 1080 or sort of uh, 1080 with another dimension sort of thing um and i i guess for one reason or another we weren't able to sort of to satisfy them and and uh so it, it didn't really work out well so that that one didn't end up getting published they, they ended up taking it back and doing it in-house and i think i saw right. it about a couple of years later and it wasn't like we were looking at it thinking oh we should have done that or something like that or you know it was kind of i don't know bit disappointing all around i guess i'm sorry did, so did you actually have a complete game that wasn't released then or was it just no it wasn't really good i think it was more like six to nine months or so when right, we were right, working right. on something it wasn't really you know it never became finished to that extent now what was it like program on the n64 because I've, I've heard it's, it's quite a challenging console to work on is that fair or do you agree or um i don't know i wasn't really doing the, the actual hardware the you know the hardware type stuff uh, I was doing more the game logic and, and that sort oh, of type of thing by then. So it wasn't, you know, that much different to me. Um, but no, I think it was quite a, quite a reasonable machine. I think it was quite well-specced and everything. That, that the uh, They all made a big deal out of it not having a CD, but I don't think that was really yeah, yeah. A, a problem in terms of, you know, because the cartridges were pretty big by then. And, and what you gave up in terms of in not being able to access all, you know, the, the, the half, a, half a gigabyte or whatever, um, you couldn't do that, but you could access everything that you could access could be accessed in in microseconds, right, it, or milliseconds. Anyway, you could switch the cartridge around. So it was um, it had its pluses and, and minuses, I guess. Fair enough. And do you, Mike, do you do you remember the? Uh, I think this is quite close to the end of your gaming career. What what was the last game you ever worked on? If you don't mind me asking, was it like a well, last... after we uh, fell out with uh, Nintendo, or we they didn't. You know, we stopped working with them. We we looked around for another game. We found another game. Um, we were working on backyard football, um, 
for for a publisher, and it, it, that actually did fairly well as well. I think it is it got some good reviews and sold pretty well too. But I was fairly burnt out by then because I was yeah, a bit yeah. down with uh, what, the way ten eighty two went. Uh, a bunch of people left the company as well at the same time to go off and do their own thing. So you know, it was uh, it was a hard you know two or three years. I think you know, so I was pretty burnt out by the end of it, and I just wanted to sort of take a break. So uh, yeah, I left at that point. Are you, how would you reflect on your career in gaming? Because you, you were there for a few years. You worked on some huge titles. You had big success, but you, you, like you said, you know, I don't want to bring any bad memories, but you did say you're quite burnt out. But overall, if you're looking back, how would you sort of summarize everything you went through? Oh, it was a fantastic time to be, you know, to work in that particular field because, you know, we were coming through it, so like you know, so people twenty years old. Nobody, nobody was knew more about making video games than some sort of twenty year olds or yeah. whatever. You know, it was sort of like there was nobody like forty or fifty telling you, oh, don't do that, or so like, or you know, we had to sort of like more or less discover it for ourselves. So it was a fantastic, you know, feeling of uh, unexplored territory to sort to work on, right? And I felt like I only did a little bit of it, you know, it's all licensed sports games. It turned yeah, out yeah. being, but you know, there was a lot of freedom to do like a lot of stuff there that you know you could. Uh, do and I think you know working in uh, in in games as well is it was good for a lot of people. I, I was about the only person I knew that had a degree at one point, you know, because everybody right. else had just sort of picked it up in their bedrooms and just sort of like you know just worked on it by themselves. And so it was a great way for people who were you know fairly interested and had talent. They could just sort of come through, and there were no barriers or whatever. You didn't have to get a degree to do the job, or you know there weren't some sort of like people twenty years older than you who knew exactly what they were doing. And, so yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, you know career, I guess in a way. Ah, good on you. And have you got a particular favourite game that you think that's my favourite? I'm really proud of that. You know, whether it was the best seller or not, is there any game you think, yeah, that's probably my best work? Probably Excite Bike, I think. You know, it's probably the, the peak me. And after that, it was all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like but no, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, when you found it, can I ask actually, because when you actually found out that, that you were going to get the Excite Byte license, which, you know, let's be honest, Nintendo are, like you said, quite reluctant sometimes to do that sort of stuff. Was Did that give you a big sort of buzz? Was that like, yeah, this is, because it, would you? I think at the time it might have been, you know, by the time we actually finally got the confirmation, it might have been more of a disappointment, a huge oh, disappointment than really? the other way around. So we were kind of always working towards that, right? And, uh, and Henry always was uh, the guy that was handling it. He didn't let us, you know, worry about it too much. But yeah, it was a huge honor. Uh, yeah. So sort of like when, when we, you know, to get that. And the other thing is that like when I started on Excitebike, I hadn't actually heard of the game because the Super oh, really? Nintendo, yeah. uh, sorry, the Nintendo Entertainment System wasn't all that big in the UK. Right. So a lot of people in the, in in America say, "Oh, Excitebike, Excitebike," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, Excitebike," but I, I wasn't. Yeah, I hadn't grown up playing it <laughs> as a kid, so. It was a little bit different for me that way, but yeah, it was a, a a fun little game. Yeah. Oh bless you! No, I I have played it actually. I played both versions. They're, they're both stellar. Actually, they're really good fun games, aren't they? Um, yeah. You mentioned the ten ten eighty sequel, but apart from that, is there any other games you worked on that weren't released? Any unreleased games that you think, oh, uh, got really far with this? But just yeah, I think it was something. Um, yeah, we were working on a hockey game for about six months or so at the end of uh, Slam and Jam. We were trying to work between Sega and. Uh, crystal dynamics that they were quite pleased we were pleased with what we'd done with slam and jam they wanted to do something else the same thing with hockey and i was a big hockey fan or hockey and video games fan because um you know that the ea nhl games were fantastic i thought you know and there was something about hockey that lent lent itself to 16-bit gaming that, that really worked out well so i was quite excited to be working on that but it all fell through and um, we ended up working with nintendo instead 
which oh, yeah, well. wasn't the worst thing. <laughs> no, it's a shame the game wasn't released, but you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been worse, couldn't it? Um, why did you, Mike? Why did you? He sent you a burnt out, but why did you leave the video game industry? I, I like to know. Was it just because you needed a change? And is it true that you became? Is it a, a poker player? Is that right? Um. Well, there's a couple couple of things that, that were going on in the video. There's, there's also I was. I think when when I started. When we started Left Field, uh, we were thinking we were going to be working on 16-bit games, which went one programmer, one artist, maybe working on it for a year or something like that. And I think what happened gradually, you know, is that because we were working on Slam and Jam, we, you know, it's a 32-bit title, we ended up with two artists and two programmers or whatever. So uh, and I think by the end of, uh, by the time I finished, yeah, they were talking about like teams of about having about you know thirty, forty people working on a game for sort oh, of like yeah, two or yeah. three years, and uh, it becomes much more of a management sort of type job. And I wasn't terribly good at that, I don't think. And I think uh, part of you know why I felt burnt out was I was doing something I wasn't very good at, and I wasn't oh, very you know. So so yeah, the 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 business of making games changed completely from from being you know sort of. Like, Eight-bit games and even sixteen-bit games were fairly manageable, but uh, you know you end up with with uh, uh, teams of I don't know what what it is these days. I think it's you know, hundred plus working on something. So you you got people you got teams so big that people don't know everybody else on the team. You know it's kind of uh, a strange situation. So so yeah, that was part of it too. I wasn't particularly good at managing things. So uh, you know, and I always wanted to sort of like to sort of get my hands dirty sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think you have to stop, you know, sort of like that. But So that was part of it too. And, uh, was I was, it, was, I was a lot better at writing games than I was at actually managing a big group. You know, well, so. I appreciate your honesty. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's like, I've got poker. Is that right? Did that take Yeah, you that's down? right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I was playing poker for a little bit. And uh, this, I don't know if you've, you've ever played poker seriously online, but they have all this sort of software that sort of helps you out. And uh, it was a great story because I, I, I ended up hooking up with somebody else that I never met before over the internet. And we were working on a, on a, 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 a poker database type program. It would sort of import all the hands and tell you what you were doing. And so you could look at your, your play, you look at the play of your opponents, and you could, you know, review the game sort of, sort of thing and see where you were making mistakes. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic thing because I worked with somebody I'd never met in canada i didn't even meet oh. him until a couple of years into that and oh, wow. and uh the 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 program was phenomenally successful i mean i was more money than i made from a game ever oh, know, really? just, just in a couple of years or so yeah we just did that and uh uh so yeah it was, it was another you know growth i guess being at the right place at the right time you know as much as anything else so it wasn't a poker video game was it it was like a kind of no, it was sort of like, um, Help, yeah. what would you have to do? You'd have to, uh, yeah, you, I don't know, when you played poker online, you'd, you'd get the hands exported in a text file sort of thing, and we were importing those hands, and you could, right. you know, review your play going back, and, you know, you would sell like, a, sell, well, I think we sold the, um, Holder Manager was uh, was uh, our database program. We sold it for like 75 bucks. Wow. And I think that the first month, I think we sold something like, you know, sort of like 100 copies. And then the next month, it was 200. Then it was 500 the next month. <laughs> and and now, literally, we, we were doubling every three months, you know, up nice. until we were selling. We were, you know, we're bringing in almost 100,000 a month by the end of that time. We, we sold out. Yeah, it was crazy. You know, it was a... Oh, good on you. Yeah. That must yeah, be such yeah. a buzz. Yeah, yeah. Better than winning a game of poker, but we'll just see it every <laughs> month. <laughs> I, I think we used to have to sort of like uh, log on to sort of like people when people got problems. We used to do a team viewer session where we'd look and see their, you know, their their screen, their, and then 
we'd try and have them try and show us the problem with the game. That some of the really big players that you, you talk to kids that were sort of like you know, ten years younger than me, and I was mid, you know mid thirties by this point, right? And they were ten years younger than me. And you can see their winnings graph, and they had something like two million dollars in the first six months of the year, or something like that. And it was absolutely wow. crazy. So. But I, n- I never had the stomach for that. I, I you know, I, whenever I lost two hundred dollars or something, I just thought it'd be in such a bad mood. <laughs> I didn't want to say again, you know. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, they did all right. Some of them, yeah. Did you even for a split second think I could make a poker game, a video game, with your past experience? Not really. Um, well, I could. I'd have to go back into into uh, games, I guess to do that and i probably lost all my games you know so it would take me that much it'd probably take me half an hour to get to hello world or something on a, on a, on a console or something <laughs> these days so yeah i hadn't really thought about it yeah no i think left field uh, the people that are left at left field they went on and did a um a world series of poker video game i think and that did very well for them i think you know so good on us that's quite running all around <laughs> yeah yeah small world huh yeah it's great um you, do you still play video games today? Is that a, you, as a hobby or not really? Yeah, but they're more like they're not the Twitch games. They're more the uh, single turn sort of thing, like like Civ, Civ Three. I spent a ton of time on Civ Three. Oh, All right, no, is that sorry? Can we edit that a bit out? I'll I'll come look for you in a minute. Yeah. yeah no, All right, give us ten minutes. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry I was gonna, about that. That's all right, Mike. I was going to ask actually, Mike. What what would you say are your top three video games of all time? Not not particularly ones you've worked on, but as, as just a fan of gaming, uh, Pac Man. I definitely played that a ton. Yeah. Um, I, I probably should be you know be a bit ungenerous of me not to say the pool game that sort of uh, inspired me. That was quite <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. one. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give them a shout out. Um, and uh, yeah, Battle Zones. I mean, why not Battle Zone? It was a fantastic technical achievement at the time, and you know, I was a huge fan. I, I spent that's probably the game I spent most on. You know, so, so oh. yeah, so uh, yeah, most good, ten yeah. Ps at the time, I think they were. Yeah, <laughs> and you mentioned Civ <laughs> Three as well. Obviously, I'm sure you're. Oh, well, Civ Three. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a different type of game, but yeah, I'm, I'm playing yeah. a more slow. You know, sort of like gives you time to think games than the Twitch stuff. You know, so. <laughs> oh, what a legend! Look, Mike. I... Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real honour. And um, can I ask you, how did you end up in Jamaica then? Because you've had a quite a, you know, well, I love. I met my wife here when I was on on holiday, and so oh. I ended up moving here and getting married. And uh, so I've been here ever since. So past what 12, 13 wow. years now. You, yeah, right. Do, do, so. do you miss do you miss the UK at all or not really? <laughs> <laughs> Depends how sunny it is. Yeah, probably yeah. right now I probably do. Right, but like in the middle of winter, no, not really. You know, it's a uh, bless you yeah no good yeah. well no fair play you've had a great career and you know you're I, I, you're living life aren't you let's be honest you're having a great time i, I take it in jamaica so oh for sure yeah, yeah. No, bless you um we ask all our guests one final question so again thank you for your time today mike really honored um a bit of a crazy question but if you could share a few drinks with any video game character who would you choose and why? I was thinking about this. I don't know if it's a cheat at all, but probably Robocop, you know. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know about if it's Robocop himself, right? But the, the, the actor that played him, he had a, an interesting, like, he went away, he left film acting and, and completely all the celebrity stuff. And he did an art history uh, PhD, you know. So he really studied. He's got to quite a high level where he's quite respected Peter, at that. I, I, was it, it Peter it, Weller? I think it's Peter yeah, Weller. Yeah. Isn't it? It is Peter Weller, I would love Weller, to hear it? the story behind him. I mean, just thought, everybody, you know, wants to be a movie actor, or so many people want to be movie. He, he gave that up, right, and did yeah, something yeah. complete, and and was fairly successful at it as well. So that'd be an interesting guy to sort of like, you know, pick his brain and see what's going on there, you know. But uh, yeah, oh, that's a great answer. And actually, just just 
just thinking back to how good Robocop is. Robocop's not a well, stupid Robocop, 80s, I think yeah. it was underrated, his acting in, in Robocop. And I, I've seen it a dozen times, so I'm kind of somewhat of an expert on Robocop. But <laughs> he, I think it's extremely well acted on his part. Yeah, but he yeah. does become, he becomes more human as he goes to the, you know, he starts off as being Robocop and being very robotic. And and, and it's something that's sort of kind of subtle that most people probably wouldn't notice because you only see the film once or something. But I've seen it, you know, maybe a couple of dozen times by now. It's and great. you do notice he does become more human as he goes and it's very well done. It's very subtle. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it was well acted. He, he did a, uh, an yeah. awesome job in that, you know, so, yeah, I'd like Just, to see that. It's not on my uh, list of questions, but when you watch things like Robocop or Batman, do you, do you think it back in mind, I worked on this game, or is it just completely, you, it doesn't even cross it, your it mind? It got to the stage at one point where I couldn't watch a movie without thinking, <laughs> how about we're going to make a game of it? And we, we got a bit formulistic, at, 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 we got a formula almost for it at Ocean, that, you know, we, we'd, we'd, we'd work out, you know, uh, or, uh, warehouses were very, very good because there's lots of things going on. So it got to a stage where I think virtually every Ocean movie license had a warehouse section where we, you know, we did that sort of thing. So so it was kind of, uh, you know, interesting in a way that, yeah, we did sort of like start looking at, at you know, how, how we'd make a game out of a movie that we didn't even have the license for, you know, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I know we keep chatting, I'm sorry, Mike, but I'm just thinking no, back, no. you know, Ocean again, had some real big success with their films, but do you think in a weird way, like you kind of hinted there, was it a bit too more formulaic? Do you reckon they almost played it, not played it safe? I don't want to have a go at the company, but... Yeah, I guess, you know, that, that's that's fair. I mean, sometimes you get lucky and you get like a license that would, would work fairly well, mm. you know, like say Robocop with with a video game. And then there are other times when, you know, you'd, you'd have to stretch it a bit, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, and I think, you know, it was getting to the stage where, you know... You, with 16-bit games, you can almost do a sort of like a, a – you could tell a bit more of a story than you could do with an 8-bit game. And so, you know, you got success of uh, – started getting success of, um, you know, original content on yeah, there. So, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think it changed a bit, you know, as, as, you, as, as, as games got more sophisticated, you could start doing things on games that you couldn't really do in movies rather than the other way around, right? So – Correct, I mean, yeah. look at, say, Elden Ring. I mean, that, that to me, is probably like it's got more content in there than, than any movie that's ever been done. Um, and, and so it's almost – and, you know, they, they tell a story that you can, you know, bind in with, with the character. So, yeah, I think that, that has definitely changed a bit. It, it, you know, games have become an art form in their own right, and they don't need licenses so much just to prop them up. But at the time, yeah, yeah that was – yeah. Do, do you still play like modern games today? Then do you, do you play like Elden Ring, for example? Are you into those sort of things? No, no. I just watch my kid play Fortnite a lot. I guess you know. So yeah. probably I mean, it's more of a second-hand thing, you know, in terms of the, the Twitch games now. I, I, sh- I, I don't have a good enough PC as well to play most of the games either. I mean, he's got one, you know, but I, I have to borrow his computer to sort of actually play most of them. So good on you. Look, Mike, yeah. I've had a, it's been such a fun chat and honestly, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, well, it's great, yeah. Reminiscing it's, it's about your career. talking to someone who's interested in it anyway. Yeah, so. no, really, and uh, look, look you've, you've worked some huge games, some big titles and um, just some great stories as well and I really appreciate your time. Really mean well, that. Well, it's been great talking to you and thank you for the interest, Adrian. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating, we'd really appreciate it. 
If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews, and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care, and we'll speak to you soon.